Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 2 Samuel as we continue our study. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have to study your word. We just ask you, Lord, that you would direct our thoughts and you would remind us of these things, God, these truths that we find in your word, that they would be applicable to our daily life. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, God, and that we remember all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 6 is where we're going to continue our study tonight. We left off at chapter 5 last week, where actually David had actually became king over all of Israel. And David uh, focused upon Jerusalem as, you might say, the spiritual and the economic capital of Israel. And uh, we remember that, uh, again, this last couple of verses of chapter 5 to me are always that which uh, I think is such an important thing to remember because we talked about the difference of experiencing God's word and knowing God. There's a big difference uh, we understand that David was coming up against the Philistines. As, as he came up against the Philistines, uh, he prayed and God said, you shall go out and meet them. And he went out and met them in the battle array and won. Just a few years later, we don't exactly know exactly how long it was, it says that David was in the same place against the Philistines in the exact same way. And he thought, I will pray again. And he prayed and he says, you shall not go out and meet him as you did before, but you shall wait. And basically it was a surprise attack. Wait till they come to you in the trees and circle around behind them. Which is interesting because again, a lot of times we just want the experience. Okay, God, I can handle it from here. Don't need your help. Thank you very much. I've been here before. That's not what we're trying to learn from the Bible. It's not that we're learning a formula in the Bible. We're learning God's provision. There's a big difference. Because a lot of times people think, well, I'm just going to get the ABCs of this book down and then, thanks God, I can drive from here on out. And that's not the way it works with our relationship with God. And of course, as we study this particular part of Scripture as we did last week, we find that it isn't formulas, it's a relationship with God that does that. And so that's what makes the big difference. Well, chapter 6 now, David is establishing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And so we find here, it says, And again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel... 30,000. What's interesting here is he gathered in this time, not for war, but something that he felt that he needed to do, and that was to go bring the Ark of the Covenant back. Now, most of us remember, as we've been studying, we remember way back when when, uh, uh, Samuel was just a little boy being raised in Eli's house, that uh, they tried to use the Ark of the Covenant as an article of warfare. Uh, and that was never what it was intended for. It was a place where, would, where God would, would, would um, meet the people. Uh, you might say meet the priests and, and uh, that mercy seat in which the Lord would represent himself to, to the priests and, and the priests would be that uh, messenger, you might say, to the people as well. Well, uh, we remember that uh, as it was captured by the Philistines, uh, everywhere the ark went, it caused destruction. 
Uh, some of you might have been in that study. The, the Bible actually uses the word hemorrhoids in some of the places. And uh, it created a, a lot of problems for these people. And they'd move it from city to city in the Philistine world. And everybody and everywhere it went became sick of the thing. So they thought, you know what? Maybe it's just happenstance that all these crazy calamities and plagues are falling upon us. So what we'll do is we'll put this ark on a cart. We'll take a mama cow and we'll put her little calf off to the side and we'll just see what happens. And if that mama cow with this ark on the back of this ox cart takes off and heads right straight for Israel, we'll know that this is really God and these things weren't by accident. However, if the mama cow goes to the calf, which would be a normal thing, well, we'll just figure out that it was just uh, just some uh, unfortunate, you know, if it wasn't for bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. And then that's just the way it's going to be. Well, they did that and that, that mama cow just made a beeline right back for Israel. Crossed over into the border of Israel and they let it, it went right there and it said at Kerjath Jarman and that's where it said, well, anyway, David arose with these 30,000 men, went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah and they, to bring the ark of God whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. Now that is uh, there on the mercy seat uh, on the on the Ark of the Covenant. And so it says that they brought it out of the house of Abinadab and it was on the hill accompanying the Ark of the God and Ao uh, went before the Ark. And David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord, all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and citrums and uh, on cymbals and everything. And when they came to Nikon's threshing floor, Uzziah put out his hand uh, to the ark of God to, to, and took hold of it, for the ox cart had stumbled. For the ox had stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzziah, and God struck him there for his heir, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzziah, and it's called in that place to this day Perez Uzziah, which means literally the outburst against Uzziah. Now, you look at this and you go, what is going on here? David gets 30,000 people. They all go out to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. As they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, everybody's having a celebration. They're dancing around. Everybody's having a real good time. And, and this, this is great. This is, this is a, and, and, and David, because he loved the Lord, uh, he was rejoicing in this. And it hit a, the ox cart hit a bump. And, and, and the Ark began to slide. And, and Uzziah puts his hand up there to steady it. And God smote him dead. And David became angry. Now, he was angry at God for this. Now, I, I, this is interesting to me because you're, here you find something. And friends, maybe we can relate with this a little bit. Because have you ever been angry at God? Well, David was angry at God. Here in the middle of his worshiping the Lord, God strikes a guy dead. No, notice where this guy fell dead. Notice it tells us here. And he died there, the last part of verse 7, he died there by the ark of God. Now, that's quite a spectacle, isn't it? Here they're all worshiping the Lord. And it hits a bump. And Uzziah was just trying to be a good guy and reach out and steady it and got struck dead. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzziah. You, know, you look at this a minute and you think, what, what, what is this? You see, what's really interesting is David was troubled about this. In verse 9, David then goes and says, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? In other words, how can I bring it back to Jerusalem 
if, if you're going to be doing this kind of stuff. Well, it's interesting, in, in Chronicles chapter 15, there's a little more in-depth study about this particular passage that we're reading. And, and, and it tells that David got the guys together to go search out how this is to be done. And they realized that they were doing it wrong. You see, this was to be carried on the back of the Levites. In fact, it was their heritage that David was tampering with. What's really sad is here, the people of God were treating the Ark of the Covenant the same way the Philistines did. The Philistines were moving it on the back of a a cart. Now the children of Israel are moving it on the back of a cart. But the Bible, according to Levitical law, says it's to be carried on the back of the priests. And so what's interesting to me is God is concerned about the way we do things, sometimes not what we're doing. Now, now isn't that interesting? Because we always have been taught the end justifies the means. It it doesn't matter how you do it. Just get the job done. (laughs) Well, that's not what we find here. What we find here is God was more interested in the way that it was done than what was being done. And I look at that as an interesting thing because, you know, there's a lot of times people have an approach to God that is not prescribed by Scripture. There's a lot of times people will try to lay on people grievous burdens to be borne that they themselves will not lift a finger to change. You look at a lot of times in these cults, and that's what always cracks me up about cults, and that's how you can oftentimes tell they're a cult, is because they are worshiping God in unprescribed manners. See, see again, and whenever that happens, friends, the net result is always going to be enslavement to the person. In other words, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden in light. The original language there is that the, the cloud, it's like a cloud on a mountain. It, it, the cloud doesn't weigh the mountain down. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is not saying, oh, now, Get out there and suffer for me. You know, I I believe there is a suffering that goes along with Christ. But that's not to attain the love of God or his affections towards us. God's affections is already towards you. In this that God so loved you that he died for you. So I don't have to in any way try in some way to, to appease God, to get his attention, to show my worthiness that I could be a child of his, I'm already worthy. And a lot of times people go around with the problem of saying, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Well, let me tell you something. You're not worthy. You never were worthy. Oh, I heard a girl one time say, I'm not worthy and I don't care. That's true. (laughs) It's true. Friends, it isn't anything that we've done, but what God's done for us. Now, again, that's what makes, that's what makes um, uh, the difference between a relationship with God and religion. Religion is always about the mechanics of it rather than the heart of it and doing it God's way. God has a way of wanting to have things done. Now, there's a lot of times people in their lives, they want God to do something in their life. And they think they're going to try to help God out a little bit. Now, at this particular point, we could enter Abraham and Hagar. (laughs) Of you, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation. And uh, uh, Sarah, of course, being way beyond the years of having children, couldn't see any way that could ever happen. And so uh, she says, well, why don't you take Hagar? And says, okay. You know, I, I thought it was interesting. Abraham never fought too much over that particular subject. 
And so anyway, he has Ishmael. Well, a work of the flesh always begats a work of the flesh. You see, the promise was made to Abraham that God was going to do this, but without man's help. You see, a lot of times when we try to help God, we, we, we end up kind of getting it all botched up. Again, going back and, and, and letting God do it his way. Uh, you know, and we say, well, why do we need to read the Bible? Well, so you'll know what God's way is. And you know what God's way is, friends? God's ways isn't a bunch of formulas. It's seeking the Lord to know what to do. It is interesting, and I think the placement of this is very important. Many people don't catch this. But you find David praying about a battle uh, in the last couple of verses of chapter uh, 5. But we don't find that David prayed about moving the Ark of the Covenant. And I believe had he prayed about moving the Ark of the Covenant... He would have understood that it's to be carried on the back of the priest, not on the back of an ox cart. Now, it's funny what people will pray about. Sometimes we'll pray about things that we think are really scary, like wars and fighting and, and going to war or, or, or a bill that needs to be paid. But, but here in this particular case, uh, concerning something spiritual, he didn't pray. Friends, what I've learned is the Bible says to pray without ceasing. We find in... in um, Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, that we're supposed to pray about everything. And, and, and so we find that David didn't pray. And, and so in doing so, the, the, when the, when the uh, properties were allotted out, when the territories of Israel were allotted out, uh, each of the, the different tribes of Israel got their portion of land. But the Levites did not get any portion of land, for their inheritance was the Lord's things. To take care of God. And so God dispersed the children uh, or the people of Levi through the tribes of Israel so that they would have that, that access to God. That was their inheritance. And so by not letting them carry the ark, they were actually being robbed of their rightful inheritance. And God noticed. God notices things like that. And so when Uzziah who just reached his hand out. Now, some would say, well, what did I do? Listen, whenever we're in rebellion to God, when we don't do things God ways, there are always consequences. Friends, and oftentimes, they're innocent people who are the consequences. Now, you can think about this in your own life. When you were not maybe walking with the Lord, or maybe you went on a backslide, and you weren't really walking with God, there are consequences in that. Maybe somebody's faith was turned down or hurt by, your, by, by, by a testimony that you had that people knew you were a Christian, but then you didn't do what you were supposed to do, and it hurt them. See, see there's always that. And, and this is one of the things that we see in the Scriptures. First of all, we, we sinned against God. This is what David recognized when he messed up with Bathsheba. But, but what, we, what you'll find is that in David's life is that he was sorry. And he recognized, first of all, he sinned against God. The second of all, in fact, it's interesting. He says, against you, Lord, and you only have I sinned. And, and, and people say, well, what about Bathsheba's husband? What about him who got killed in battle? That's one of the consequences. Friends, again, there are consequences of others in our lives. Now, again, this is why when we walk with the Lord, this is why... I believe that it's important that we, that we maintain our relationship with God. Again, David did not do this. And so David became angry at God. But whose fault was it? Was it, was it God's fault? Or was it that they were doing something in an unprescribed manner? You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about a couple of sons that were offering strange fire on the altar. 
weird sacrifice stuff. And God wasn't honored by it. Well, look what he says. So David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzziah. And it says in verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day, uh, no doubt, um, and said, how can I bring the ark of the, how, how will the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, uh, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. <laughs> Now, you say, well, why, why does it say that? Well, because it isn't a voodoo box. You know, I mean, I mean, all well, this thing, it kills people. And it was at over and everything was fine. You, you see, again, friends, I, I believe that God goes to great lengths not to be or have his people in superstitions. Have you ever seen the superstitions in religions? It's, it's really incredible what you'll see sometimes uh, people do. Uh, you'll even find that in our own society. Well, don't walk under a ladder. You know, you got your rabbit's foot. Just remind you again, rabbit foot wasn't so lucky for the rabbits. So just always remember that. But you know, you know, I mean, walking under a ladder may not be the smartest thing. Or you break a mirror in your house. Well, that's bad luck. Well, it's bad if you step on the broken glass. But I'm amazed how many people even today, have superstitions about things. And I, I think this is verses in here for a really important reason. And I think it is to show that God wasn't mad, angry at the people, but doing things in unprescribed ways is. Now again, you think people today don't try to approach God in unprescribed manners real quick again? Well, sure. You know, you, you say, well, you know, if you die today, would you go to heaven? Well, yeah. Why? Well, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I, I you know I don't kick the dog, I don't beat the wife, I, you know I I even feed my kids occasionally, you know. And I'll pick a newspaper up from my neighbor's house when he's on vacation. I'm a good old boy. A, a lot of people have that kind of a mentality that uh, that they're going to get to heaven on their good works. They're approaching God by an unprescribed manner. And again, there's only one way that we approach God, and that's in the blood of Christ, and that's what makes us holy. And so we find here that the ark was not a bad luck charm. In fact, it blessed the house of Obed-Edom. He was blessed by it. And I don't know what that means exactly. Maybe the rains came when they were supposed to on his crops, or maybe the kids didn't get sick. I don't know. It just says that they were blessed. The word blessed in the original language means, oh, how happy. And so uh, these people were happy. They were blessed by God. And so it says in verse 12, and it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. See, see, this is interesting that you find it not only mentioned once, but you find it mentioned uh, as a backup verse again, because I, I believe that, again, I, I think... Uh, have, have, you ever, have you ever had a, a something happen and you acquaint the grief to the thing? Have you ever had that happen? Well, I don't like that ladder. That's the one I fell off of. Well, we won't use that one, you know. And, and, we, and we get that way. Well, I, I think God was d- directly letting not only the people of Israel, but in, in particular, notice this, and it was told King David, saying that the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Now verse 13 
And this, again, is based upon what we find back up in Chronicles uh, chapter 15, where uh, they went in and found out how they were really supposed to do it. And David recognized it, that he did not do it the way God said to do it. And and by the way, if, if you try another formula to do what God wants you to, in other words, if you try some other plan, other than God's way for your life, uh, it, it won't work. That's why you're, you're not happy apart from the Lord. That's why, again, Jesus, in teaching his disciples to pray, he, he said, give us this day our daily bread. And, and the reason why it says our daily bread, I, I always think it's interesting. It doesn't say, give us this day our yearly bread. <laughs> because that means you'd only have to go, you know, hey, God, good to see you on Christmas. Hey, see you next year. But, you know, you know the, the thing is, is that God wants us to go to him on a daily basis and get his daily direction for us. Again, we talked about the importance of the manna. Remember the manna, how God fed the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And every day the manna was there on the ground. And if they took more than they were supposed to take, it would rot, except if, uh, for the Sabbath when uh, they, were, they could take an extra portion. Uh, friends, again, that daily bread. Jesus talked about that he was the bread that came down from heaven. He was speaking about that. That daily relationship with God is so important. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time. Yeah.